And Tyburn is a spawn of spawn revenge because he wasn't named a dragon warrior. Almost by accident, our main character, Poe, is thrown into, into the ceremony and named a dragon warrior. Now, everyone around Poe tried to convince him that he wasn't cut out for the title. The only way he was going to worthy was to follow and imitate the master. Only by following every action of the master, Poe was able to become good enough to be the dragon master. Poe could have followed all the other voices around him and given up. He could have gone back to the new restaurant, but he didn't. He chose to follow the right person. He chose to imitate the one who knew best. What has that got to do with what we've just read in free time? Well, Kung Fu Panda aside, this is where we find ourselves today. Imitation and following the right person being at the heart of our passage. We here at Christchurch are at the very end of the series, looking at two and three John. A few weeks ago, Tim really, unhelp uh, sorry, really helpfully unpacked the truth. <laughs> Tim outlined that truth matters. Not just any truth, but the truth. That is Jesus, the Word of God. We saw that we cannot have truth without love, and we cannot have love without truth. And truth and love bring about obedience. Tim pointed us to the fact that truth, love, and obedience is not a solitary goal, but a way of life for those, uh, those who belong to Jesus. The church has been equipped with many different people so we can uh, encourage each other to walk in the truth and love the truth about obedience. The week after, Tom spoke, spoke about the reward of walking in the truth. He showed us that walking in the truth didn't just get, get to get out of jail free card but a deep and fulfilling relationship with both God and Jesus. We saw a warning against a group of people who were denying Jesus as the Christ. There was a warning for the church to look out for the people who look like following Jesus, but actually walk the truth about him. And last week, we heard about John's love for his friend. We saw what it looked like to relate to each other when they are walking in the truth. We saw genuine gospel relationships being demonstrated between John and Guy several times when John prays for Guy's physical health in verse 2. Um, John being overjoyed when he heard Guy's faithfulness in verse 3. And John held Guy of his love for him in the truth in verse 1. In all three sections so far, John has been encouraging the followers of Jesus to keep going in their walk in the truth. John wants both the church and Gaius to persevere despite conditions. And that's exactly where we find ourselves today. I'm going to try and show you three things from the second section of 3 John. And the first is this continue to honour God. The letter here is written from the elder. Now, most people agree that this is John, one of Jesus' disciples. And it's written to a dear friend of John, that's Gaius, who loves John in the truth, who John loves in the truth. Now we don't know an awful lot about Gaius, but John is very clear about his character and his motives. Look with me at verse 5. Dear friends, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers to you. It seems that Gaius' defining love, that defining trait is his love. His love for Jesus and his love for his brothers and sisters. This is not an ordinary kind of love, 
He opens his home far and wide. He wants a stranger to feel like a brother. I think it'd be really easy to think of this love described here as a feeling or an emotion. Guys doesn't get a warm, fuzzy feeling when he thinks about helping strangers. Tim helps us think about truth and love being two sides of the same coin. You can't have one without the other. The love that the guys has for, or what we presume travelling preachers, is deep-rooted in what he believes about Jesus. This love even put me into church, if you look at those things. These strangers have felt love from Gaius, they can't help themselves but tell the rest of the church. Gaius is faithful and clearly wants to please Jesus. The Gospel calls for this kind of faithfulness. A love so great for Jesus, there is nothing we say he can't have. But it didn't stop there. Gaius urged, uh, sorry, John urges Gaius to send the people he has cared for. But they might be able to show Jesus' love through hospitality too. Just like when you shake a bottle of fizzy drink, these brothers and sisters are so full of energy and ready to go, they can't help themselves but explode. Not only do they want to encourage others, but it's pleasing to God that they are sent. This pattern has been the same throughout church history, to love and equip others now, so they can be sent out and love and equip others. The chances are most of us sat here this morning because of this very pattern. I think there's also a little challenge here. Guys doesn't welcome the people who, who he likes and have the same interests as him. No, he loves the strangers, the people who may not fit into people he's comfortable socialising with, the people who are not like him, people that may not even speak the same language as him. The call here is this, to love as we have been loved. Honour God by showing the love he so graciously lavished upon us. By welcoming the strangers and sending them out with that exact same love. If we are convinced of the truth of Jesus in taking the form of a man, dying on a cross, and rising from the grave, then we have no other option but to love like Jesus had loved. You see, friends, it's not just the head exercise. Jesus loved so deeply that he suffered the most painful death anyone could imagine. There was no personal gain. He selflessly gave himself up. He lost his life and was cut off from his father. So that we can have the same opportunity to experience perfect love. The truth matters. Without it, we can't have that perfect love. It makes me think like going back to when I was little. I remember one year I got a remote control helicopter and it was a great gift. I didn't say to my parents, Thanks, and pack it away and save it for a rainy day. No, I play with it all day. You see, Jesus has given us a great gift, and we are loved unconditionally. Do you want to put it back in your pocket and say, oh, I'll save that for another time? Or are you going to use it? Guys is certainly convinced of this truth. It's why John says he, lo he loves him in truth. Guys is so utterly convinced that Jesus has saved him, and that the call for him to love and be obedient is only natural. Why wouldn't guys give up everything to love and serve those around him? Our passage takes a slight turn at first mountain, and we hear a warning. This is our second point. Beware of self-elevators. We meet this leader 
called diatrophies. Now, like Gaius, we don't know much about diatrophies, but we know enough to understand his character. Diatrophies loves to be first. He also appears to have quite a bit of authority. This manifests itself in a number of ways. We're told, verse 10, that he's spreading malicious nonsense uh, about the apostles. Uh, this is deeply troubling to John because diatrophies have undermined the gospel itself. It seems he's even stopped the church from receiving a previous warning letter from John. Diotrephes loved to surround himself with what I call yes people. These people want to please him above all else, only reinforcing Diotrephes' love for himself. But he doesn't stop there. He's actively trying to stop the good work that Gaius and others are doing within the church. Turning them out, they welcome outsiders. This is such a huge shift from the wonderful gospel welcoming image we saw earlier in the passage. This movement is poison to the church and the work Jesus is doing within it. It's clear to me Diotrephes does not want for the good of the church or for the gospel. He wants to elevate himself to the highest position with lies and behaviour that only serves himself. I think we see this in the world around us all the time. You only need to look at the very public world of politics. Each leader gathering around themselves a group of people that live and die by their every word, defending the most indefendable actions. Boris Johnson and his cabinet spring to mind. I say this not to make a political stance, but it was clear to see Johnson surround himself in people that wanted to be like him. He lied over and over and over again, but no one wanted to say enough is enough, in the fear that he would throw them out or expose them. Even when some people spoke about, he would try and spin the narrative while claiming the person is hurt or out for revenge. These people look to hold all the power and are dangerous. Leaders like this only care for themselves. They do not look out for the good of the people, they mean. The only result here is disorder and disunity. The warning here, I think, is clear. To be on the lookout for these people, especially if they are in need of a church. If the, definite, if the definition of a good leader is someone who welcomes, loves, and is rooted in the truth, well, here's someone completely opposite. It's of the utmost importance that our elders and church leaders get this right. Diotrephes loves to be first, but Gaius loves to welcome at a great cost to himself. The truth. That is, Jesus and the good news he brings must be central to the work of the church. Leaders like Diotrephes would rather the church be a place where they're in control. Where the church's mission is not to love and serve the community, but to love and serve the ones at the time. Without the truth, it could be easy to drift. That's why we need the word of God taught faithfully and to be aware of the dangers. Now, I'm not saying our leaders will get it right 100% of the time. They're sinners too. But the benchmark here for all of us is Jesus. He is the one we're going to. And that brings me to my third and final, final point. Follow the right people. So far, we've seen how John has commended Gaius for his faithful service and how John has encouraged him to keep going, despite what he mentioned in verse 9 and 10. We've seen how when faithful service and I love to be first, held side by side. It's like day and night. That is why John continues in verse 11 to say, 
Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. This is the whole point of John Butler, I think. The plea is for Gaius to continue the good work in light of the evil he sees. Don't give in. Don't stop what you're doing. Imitate what is good. For that, for that is what God has called Gaius to do. You might think it's odd that John even has to tell Gaius to do this. Well, I think he puts it like this because it can be so easy to imitate evil. In day-to-day -day life, it's much easier to be an impressive, famous Christian that gets a door at every conference they go to than it is to be the quiet, faithful Christian in a small group. Christian service, where all is quiet and normal, is really difficult. Uh, it's often thankless, and it may seem that you're not making an impact. But this service out of love is exactly the kind John calls guys to, and Jesus calls you to. This is so encouraging to me. John isn't telling guys to take down the selfish, selfish church leader. In fact, it's quite the opposite. He encourages him to keep going, keep walking in the truth, keep loving as he's been loved. How often do we hear people say, the church should do more of X, Y, or Z? John calls Gaius to, uh, to continue service despite those around him not serving in a way that honors God. This is something we can all get on board with, whether you think Christians around you are doing the same or not. John's encouragement is to keep. It's at this point we're introduced to a third person, Demetrius. Verse 12 says, Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone, even by the truth itself. Not set, settled with a plea, John speaks of Demetrius, a faithful servant. His life is clearly demonstrating his motives. He loves Jesus, and the Christians around him can see it too. People more clever than me think Demetrius is a courier that brought guidance <coughs> from John. They're not even sure he's mentioning it in the Bible. Gaius is urged to follow his example. An ordinary follower of Jesus, but with ultimate significance in the life of Gaius and those around Demetrius. I think this is a wonderful image of the pattern of Christian living, which all stems from Jesus. Whether Gaius is imitating John or Demetrius, ultimately, Jesus is the one being imitated here. Gaius has a Jesus attitude to life, offering himself in humble service. John wants Gaius to imitate those around him that are living gospel-filled lives. I think we're to do the same. Imitation is a natural human tendency. Just like Pug in Kung Fu Panda, he had to imitate the right person to become the dragon warrior. If Poe didn't imitate Shifu, he wouldn't have become the panda he turned out to be. That's why John says in verse 11, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. We all imitate someone or something. We might tend to imitate those who look powerful and love to be first, because we also love to be first. We might imitate our boss at work, because we want to be liked and gain a promotion. We might imitate the perfect middle-class suburban family. We imitate those who want to become but ultimately, the things our heart is set upon 
are worthless and perishable. John urges guys, and an extension of us, that we are to imitate those around us who put Jesus above themselves, in order that we would do the same. While I've been speaking, you may have had someone in your head that's been in the nutrients in your life. You may even be thinking of some, someone sat in this room. It could be the old lady who faithfully uh, prays for the work of missionaries overseas. Or the person who goes above and beyond to welcome those who are not like themselves, often over language or cultural barriers. Or the older mum who's walking alongside newer mums in order to uh, lay on the courage with gospel truths and friendships. These are the people we are to imitate in order we might demonstrate love for Jesus and each other. These people can almost seem invisible. They're not looking to be noticed, but to walk faithfully in the truth. All these people are convinced of the truth, and therefore love and obedience flows out from it. Jesus is the one ultimately being imitated, but we can use our vast church family around us to point us to him. Look around you. Our church is full of people who are fantastic to imitate. If you're looking for people to help you on your way, well, they're right here every Sunday. There's no need to be inspired by Christians on Instagram who post motivational quotes. There are plenty of real, Jesus-loving, truth-walking Christians right here. And the best thing? They don't want you to imitate them from a distance. If you ask, I am sure they would be delighted to welcome you into their lives. You see, this walk in the truth is not to be done on our own. We all share in the truth, but you can't just hide away and pretend what will just happen. You need to ask them to teach you. Gaius was doing great work in the church, despite on the church looking from the outside like a total mess. It would have been easy for Gaius to give up, move churches, or just conform to dark dreams ways. But friends, I encourage you today to persevere even when it seems hard. Fortunately, our church is not like the one here in Fruton, but the message still is true. Keep doing the good gospel work when the work is thriving or when it looks fruitless. Guy is a fantastic person to imitate, but he was also urged by John to imitate someone else. A fantastic way to grow is to imitate and be imitated. Now, to be imitated, be imitated is not something we can seek. If you went around church saying, look at me, everyone, I'm the person to be imitated, it would most likely turn out like Diogenes, a movement that is based around what he wanted. Instead, I believe the passage is, uh, sorry, instead I believe the passage is saying to imitate other godly people that can't help themselves to imitate you. The truth becomes evident in the actions of a person when they love others unconditionally, often to a significant, significant personal loss. Now on the flip side of this, I don't want you to hear what I'm saying and shut off even more. We tend to be very private people, and letting someone in is a really hard thing to do. Our passage encourages openness. I don't know what that looks like for every personal circumstance, but there is a call here to be opening up homes and lives for those around us. After all, we can't be imitated if we're not seen. What a wonderful, attractive picture 
a whole church putting others first so that Christ is demonstrated. And the people who are here for a little while will be encouraged and sent on their way in a manner that honors God. So in light of John 3, of, sorry, in light of 3 John, I urge you to keep going. Continue to honor God by imitating the right people. Walk in the truth so your love for Jesus may be evident. Find your Demetrius and be a guide by putting others first in a way that brings ultimate glory to God.